It's Friday, and we are going to read through the um, events that took place on this day. And so I'm going to be reading from the four different gospel accounts. Now, it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. Pilate said to the Jews, Behold your king, and they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and twisted together a crown of thorns they put on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, the king of the Jews! And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put on his own clothes and led him away to crucify him. And as they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, and they compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving due reward for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the son of God. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in clean linen shroud and laid it in his own tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. How can this be good? This crucifixion Friday that we call Good Friday. 
How can it be good that a perfect and innocent man was murdered? How can it be good that the hope of an entire group of people is gone? How can it be good that brokenness and evil and darkness in the world conquered over Jesus who was loving and lived his life to serve and to bless and to heal other people? How could it be good that this perfect man endured this horrible death by crucifixion? This death that by many would be regarded as inhumane and evil that the Romans would not even crucify their own citizens unless they have committed high treason against Caesar, but it was meant for lower slaves and lower class citizens because it was so despicable. And Jesus died this death. And Jesus was also beaten and flogged. He was struck with whips and reeds on his back that would likely have torn most of the skin from his body. Jesus was put, or was, uh, a crown of thorns was placed upon his head. It was pressed into his scalp and skull. Jesus' wrists and feet were nailed to a wooden cross. You see, the physiology behind a crucifixion, this type of execution is that they could no longer hold the weight of their body and so they would, uh, their torso would be filled with a water-like fluid and they would die of suffocation. And so Jesus would have experienced cramping in his thighs and calves as he was trying to hold himself up with his legs from the feet held up by nails. And as he experienced excruciating pain in his legs, he would have had to give up and he would have had to start to hold himself up by his arms and eventually that would not work either and he would have experienced dislocation of his elbows and his shoulders. And as that happens, his heart would begin to fail because the liquid around his lungs and his heart he would have heart failure, which would lead to his lungs collapsing, and he eventually would have died from suffocation. So we know that Sunday is coming, but how can Friday be good? How can it be good that our king is in a grave? Well, I want to look at four reasons today that Good Friday is Good. The first reason is that this crucifixion was the plan. This crucifixion was the plan of God all along. This was always God's plan to have his son go to the cross. We look at the Old Testament and we see throughout the Old Testament prophecies that talk about this very thing happening. We can look at Deuteronomy, we can look at Zechariah, we can look at Isaiah, we can look at the Psalms. As we see here in Psalm 22, it says, I am poured out like water, all of my bones are out of joint, my heart is like wax, it is melted within my breast. Verse 16, they have pierced my hands and feet. 18, they divide my garments among them for my clothes they cast lots. This is a clear and perfect description of what we have just read and what we know would have happened to Jesus on the cross. 
And not only do we see it time and time again in the Old Testament, but Jesus himself talked about this very thing happening to him. Like in Matthew 17, he tells his disciples, the son of man is about to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. Jesus said it himself. And then we see the New Testament apostles talk about it as Peter in Acts 2 at Pentecost says, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. This crucifixion of Jesus, as brutal as it may be, was the plan of God the Father. And we don't always understand God's plan, do we? But we know that God's plan, God's will is good and it's perfect. So why is it good? Because it was God's plan. The second reason, this crucifixion had a purpose. In Christ's death, we had one final and true sacrifice for all sin. For all sin. Right? We see that Jesus was like a sheep led to the slaughter. Right? We have this image of him being a sacrificial lamb being taken to the slaughter to be sacrificed for sin without blemish, without spot, undefiled by sin. We know the law of the Old Testament that each year every family, every individual would have to take some sort of animal to be sacrificed for the atonement of their sin, whether that's a, a calf, a goat, a bull, a, a dove, whatever it may be. You had to have an animal that every year you would take for the atoning of their sins. But the fact that it happens every year shows that it doesn't do what it was supposed to do. It was never meant to cover sins. It was never meant to defeat sin. Hebrews chapter 10, verse three and four lays it out perfectly for us where it says, but these sacrifices, but in these sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. You see, there had to be a greater sacrifice. There had to be something better. There had to be something that is more perfect than a perfect lamb. That perfect sacrifice is Jesus, the perfect son of God, fully God, fully man. He was obedient in going to the cross as that sacrifice once and for all. We see in verse nine and 10 of Hebrews, it says he does away with the first, right? What does he do away with? He does away with the old covenant. He does away with the sacrificial law. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Right? We have a new covenant, not that we offer sacrifices, but Jesus said himself to the cross to be that sacrifice for you, for me. The crucifixion had a purpose. The crucifixion had a purpose to fulfill the law of the Old Testament, to fulfill all of the sacrificial rules and laws that were in place. Jesus didn't just get rid of them, he fulfilled them in the purpose of the cross. And so the holy and perfect son of God, without blemish, without spot, without error, was pierced for our transgressions. He was sacrificed 
for your sin and for mine. Past, present, future. It was the plan, it had a purpose, and the crucifixion showed a power. Jesus revealed to all on this Good Friday a different type of power. He revealed to all on his death on the cross a type of power that is different than the rest of the world because he showed his power in his restraint. He showed his power in his obedience on the cross. John chapter 19, as Jesus is sitting before Pontius Pilate, Pontius Pilate says to him, do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? And in this moment, Pontius Pilate thought that he had the power. Pontius Pilate said, I am the one who decides whether you go to that cross or not. And how does Jesus respond? He says, Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. In this moment where Jesus was in chains, he was beaten, mocked, scorned, spit on. At the end of all the strength he had, but he was in complete control. Jesus at any moment could have come down from that tree. At any moment, he could have been free from bondage. At any moment, his body could have been healed. At any moment, with the snap of his fingers, the hosts of heaven could have come down and wiped out all of Rome. But Jesus showed his power in his submission. Jesus showed his power to be obedient to the Father even when the circumstances were at their worst. And he showed the power of unconditional love to endure the cross for those who hated him to endure the cross for those who were his enemies, to endure the cross for the very people who were shouting, crucify him. And Jesus showed the power of the love of God. He gave up his life for undeserving people. This is the meekness of Christ. That Jesus had all the power in the world, but he restrained it for something that was better. He restrained it because he knew that this upside down power was going to have the greatest result, right? This power that is different than the rest of the world. He knew that with this type of power and restraint and meekness that the greatest outcome would happen. See that at any moment he could have stepped down from the cross. But where would we be if that were were to happen? We're called to the same type of humility. It's this upside down power that makes us the lights of the world. It's the same power that makes us different than the world. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says that for the word of the cross, right, the understanding of the cross, what happened at the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the very power of God. 
Our last reason, point number four, this crucifixion gave us peace. Jesus is the sacrifice that pays for our sin once and for all and allows us to stand before the Father without any condemnation. It is what Jesus has done on the cross that allows us to have a relationship with the Father without any condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus is what it says in Romans chapter eight, verse one. You see, because of my sin, because of your sin, there is a judgment of the wrath of God that you are deserving of. That every single one of us in here deserve to die the death and to deserve the punishment that Jesus went through. That that should have been you, that should have been me. That the wrath of God needed to pay for the price of sin. That horrible death that Jesus went through was meant for me. That instead of king of the Jews on the cross, it should have said Jacob on the cross. It should have said your name on the cross. But Jesus took that on himself. He took on the wrath of God. He took on the punishment of God onto himself because of our sin. But now, there is no condemnation before God for those who are in Christ Jesus, we are free. We are off the hook that we are not standing there ready for God to just strike us down. There is no condemnation. Romans chapter five, verse eight says that, but God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. We have been reconciled to God, that our relationship has been mended, it has been fixed, that we are no longer enemies of God, but we were. We were enemies of God. We were the ones shouting, crucify him. It is our sin that is despicable and ugly and evil. At our very nature, it is who we are as people. We are enemies of God, enemies of Christ. And maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, that's a little extreme. I'm not that bad. I wouldn't have been shouting, crucify him. I think you're lying to yourself and you're arguing with the Bible. Each one of us are complicit to the crime that was committed against Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you are complicit. It was your sin. It was my sin as ugly and despicable, as hideous as it may be. We need to look at our sin rightly and realize that it is pure evil against God in hatred against the creator of the universe. That's what our sin is. And it is our sin that put Christ on that cross. But it's at the cross that the wrath of God is met with the love of God. The cross is the place where the judgment of the king of the universe was met with the love of the creator of the universe. 
And it was because of God's unconditional love for you and for me that he put his wrath on his son. There's no condemnation. There's no judgment. God isn't withholding it ready to use on you when you do that thing that is just bad enough. It has already been gotten rid of. It has already been placed on Jesus. He doesn't have some condemnation and judgment sitting over here ready to be used for you if you are bad enough. He has put that condemnation on his son. So there's no condemnation for any of us who are in Christ Jesus. The debt has been paid in full. We can have peace with God. And it's all because of what Christ has done and nothing because of what we can do. You can't be good enough. You will never be good enough. It's only in how good Christ was in the sacrifice that he made for us. So why is Good Friday good? It's good because it's at the cross that we see the love of God and we are able to have a relationship with God. It's at the cross that we can look and we can see how ugly our sin is and see the consequences of our sin. It is at the cross that we look and we see our perfect, holy Savior laying down his life for us to display the love of God and to reconcile us to the Father. Let's pray.